You're listening to the Festival of the Mind podcast from the University of Sheffield. In this episode, Ollie Newton, Executive Director at educational charity The Edge Foundation, talks to Dr Nicola Buckland, Tim Norwood and Claire Wood about It's OK to Be Naked, a one-man show exploring hang-ups around nudity and body image. Hello, welcome to this podcast. Uh, we are talking today about one of the exciting shows coming up at Sheffield's Festival of the Mind 2020. Uh, for those of you who don't know it, Festival of the Mind is this amazing collaboration that happens once a year um, between academics at Sheffield University uh, and some of Sheffield's amazing cultural and creative industries. Um, that's everything from sculpture through to art through to theatre, which is what we're talking about today. So we're going to be talking about a new show called It's OK to Be Naked. Uh, it's going to be premiering at the festival, and I'll give you some more details about how you can tune in later on. I've got three guests with me today. I've got Tim Norwood, who is a theatre maker based here in Sheffield. He's the creative brains behind the show. Uh, I have Nicola Buckland, who's a lecturer at the university, uh, whose research really connects into the show. Um, and I've got Claire Wood, who's an experienced counsellor, also based in the lovely city of Sheffield. So what we're going to be doing today is talking a bit to my three lovely guests to find out a bit more about the show and hopefully get you excited and ready to tune in. Um, so Tim, hi, we're going to start with you. Uh, you're a theatre maker from Sheffield. Um, tell us a little bit about your previous work. My name is Tim Norwood and I've been working in the Sheffield theatre scene for about, ooh, it's probably eight years now. My work tends to focus on untold stories and mental illness. Those are kind of my focuses. So in the past I've done shows about depression. I did one called Apocalypse of the Mind where I retold myths and legends to show people what a depressed mind feels like. I did one called Not Your Kind of Trauma about PTSD to show people what it's really like living with PTSD rather than the TV version that most people are familiar with. And this one, It's Okay to Be Naked of course, is about people's bodies. Cool. So it sounds like you are not scared to uh, deal with some of the big challenging issues. And uh, I can see why the Festival of the Mind kind of works for you with that kind of mental health interest. Um, what got you thinking about this whole area of, of body image? I have always found it weird that the default in our society is for people not to like their own bodies. After all, it's your own body. So surely you should like it. <laughs> Good advice there from Tim. And is it, is it something that you've had kind of personal experience of? I know some of your previous shows, you know, you've talked really from the heart. Is this something that, that you've got some personal uh, skin in the game for as well? When I was small, I really didn't like my own body at all. I really struggled with accepting what I looked like and how I felt in my own skin. And at some point, I just realised that my body was the only body that I had. That kind of helped me over a lot of time and with a lot of effort to become more accepting of myself in It's Okay to Be Naked. I sort of wanted to help other people maybe realise that their body can be something they can love. Oh, that sounds like a really uh, nice, positive sentiment. And I've been to a couple of your previous shows, Tim, and uh, they're always kind of very thought provoking, but you're always kind of quite sensitive to the audience. They make you kind of think a lot. Is that kind of what we can expect from this show as well? Uh, one of the things that I think is really important when when you're dealing with very heavy stuff is to make sure that you don't overwhelm the audience. When I was just out of university, 
I made a couple of shares that were really difficult to kind of sit in and experience. And that's something that I really wanted to try and grow past. So now when I do a show, I always try and make sure the audience is feeling supported. And even when there's difficult stuff, that there's always space afterwards for us to sort of sit together and feel connected and like it's not the end of the world. That's a nice way to put it. And uh, I should say, it's a nice plug for me to say that actually at the end of the show, if you'd like to to tune in for that, um, Tim and Nicola and Claire will be with us again, uh, answering questions and kind of picking up any support that you might need if it's uh, if it's affected you, if the themes have affected you. So um, you'll be able to hear from these three lovely people again. Um, I think that's a really good time to bring in Nicola. So the Festival of the Mind is all about bringing together creative people like Tim with uh, researchers and academics from the university. Uh, and Nicola is the academic partner for the show. Um, so Nicola, do you want to say a little bit about uh, your, your work in this area? Yes, and thank you, Ali. Yes, so my name's Nicola Buckland. I'm a lecturer in psychology at the University of Sheffield. And my research uh, has been, it looks at psychological factors that impact whether people engage in health behaviours and things such as eating healthily, engaging in physical activity, um, as well as considering uh, weight stigma. So weight stigma refers to the devaluation of people uh, because of their body weight. And it's really widespread in society. And my research is interested to understand the impacts that experiencing that stigma has on people and the impacts that it then has on the health behaviours that they engage in, um, which is how I got involved uh, in uh, in this show, uh, as it fits in nicely um, with thinking about it's okay to be naked. Brilliant. Thank you, Nicola. Um, so I guess putting it into kind of uh, terms that my people might read in the paper, it's a horrible word, but um, I guess people might know that kind of weight stigma as kind of fat shaming or body shaming, some of those kind of... Um, I guess, those nasty things that people might say to each other or or even that come through the press and, and social media, I guess, as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so fat shaming is this for, is a form of weight stigma. Um, so it comes in various different forms, um, such as being teased, being laughed at, um, for other people feeling ashamed of you. So maybe your close family or your friends feeling ashamed of you because of your weight. Um, and, and also just structurally as well. So it might be as, you, as certain people go about their day-to-day lives, it might be that they um, feel that they're being treated unfairly or there might not be facilities or resources available to them that fit their body shape. So a common example is things um, like going to the doctors to have your blood pressure measured, but the blood pressure cuffs are too small. So even this can make people feel stigmatised. Um, and it's really widespread across society. So we see it in multiple domains, um, such as in the media, um, where we see it really strongly. Uh, we see it in education, in healthcare, in the workplace, and also in personal relationships. So it's something that is really widespread. Um, and reports when uh, we've done surveys to ask people about their experiences of it. And we find that a lot of people report fat shaming. And um, so it goes up to around 54% of people claim to experience fat shaming on a regular basis and I think it's problematic because in our society it's something that is seen as acceptable we kind of see these jokes and laughing at people's body weights as something that is acceptable when we know the impact that it has on them and it really is harmful to their health and so it's something that we really need to challenge and begin to change societal norms around it. Thanks Nicola that's a really interesting reflection I guess uh, there's a lot of kind of stories in the paper and thoughts at the moment about uh, trying to 
uh, tackle areas where society is uh, being biased. I'm thinking about kind of things like the Black Lives Matter movement, but also um, more broadly around intergenerational um, kind of change as well. Um, it feels like this is one area where, uh, like you say, it's kind of it's still okay uh, in society's eyes to to kind of say unpleasant things or to put stereotypes on people. Um, what what kind of impact can that have on on the people that have been part of your studies and that you've come across? Yes, so there's a lot of research that shows that experiencing this stigma is really harmful to both mental and physical health. And so we know that experiencing uh, this type of body shaming can uh, increase levels of depression, anxiety, reduce quality of life, um, and also increase instances of binge eating. As well as the mental side of it, we also know that it impacts engagement in health behaviours, So things um, such as eating healthily and engaging in physical activity. We see that the people that experience the most forms of this weight stigma or body shaming, um, they actually become disengaged to engage in those healthy behaviours. So it's it's a a little bit ironic because we see often people think that they should body shame because they think it's going to motivate people to engage in these types of health behaviours but it does the complete opposite. Um, And it really leads to this disengagement where people aren't motivated and they they might seek to eat foods that are comforting. So it might be high fat, sweet foods, um, and they might really disengage and not do as much physical activity as they otherwise would do. So we know that it is really problematic to experience these forms of of, uh, being stigmatized because of your body weight. Thanks, Nicola. That's really interesting. So I guess the kind of takeaway for me there is, um, you know, even uh, where kind of those comments might be said, um, let's say from a, from a positive place or people trying to be helpful, maybe to a family member they care about, trying to get them to exercise more, trying to get them to do something about this issue. Um, actually, as you rightly say, uh, the opposite can be the, the impact. It, it can lead to people feeling down, maybe eating more of the things that, that, are, that are less healthy, not doing the things that they know might make a difference. Um, that's that's really helpful, Nick. I'm going to bring Claire in now, um, because I think that's a really nice kind of link to Claire's work. Because uh, Claire, you've seen a lot in your professional life of some of the harder end of that, where people have really suffered this this uh, challenge. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your work in this area? I'm a counsellor, and I specialised in in the area of eating disorders and body image difficulty and some of those issues that be sort of intertwined with those problems. So not necessarily always clients that have got a diagnosable distinct eating disorder, but might be people that are experiencing a difficult relationship with food that has, um, has either influenced or is influenced by their relationship with, with their body and their level of, of body acceptance. So a range of different kind of levels of severity um, and types of eating disorder and, and food and body difficulty. Thanks, Claire. That's really interesting. So um, just kind of bringing in a, a different thread there that actually uh, what we're talking about here is uh, when we think about body image is not just not necessarily just uh, bigger people or people with obesity, but people with um, different sized bodies who might just be unhappy or see their body uh, differently and, and that have a kind of negative impact on them. D- tell us a little bit. I mean, there's, there's all those stereotypes that you know even better than us in the media about uh, the kind of people who have uh, eating disorders is are those, do those hold true or um, is it actually the case that they're kind of more widespread or, or different than than what we see in the media? Yeah, I think I think it's been an image that's um, been perpetuated by the media for many years. I, I do a lot of training with counsellors, with trainee counsellors, with qualified uh, counselling therapists 
to um, educate them about the breadth of eating disorders and also uh, to look at the different ways of supporting people that present with eating difficulties, not necessarily just a diagnosable eating disorder, but a difficult emotional relationship with food and their body. And one of the main things that people are surprised by in lots of healthcare professions is that um, anorexia or a restrictive eating disorder is not the most common eating disorder. It might be the one that's most visible to people or what people associate with poor body image or poor relationship with food, but actually in terms of chaotic or, uh, or binge eating difficulty, that, that's a much more common problem for people to experience. And that's always a surprise to everybody in every group that I've ever been involved in in terms of training um, and education. That's really interesting. Uh, again, kind of a, a theme recurring here about kind of the images we get from the media in this space, not necessarily reflecting reality, I think. Um, in terms of your work, Claire, you've seen some of the more extreme end of this. And I know you've worked in uh, you know, a, a centre for people who were admitted because their, their eating disorders have got, had got so challenging. But at the other end of the spectrum, for kind of uh, most people, there are things that we don't like so much about our bodies or uh, you know, uh, things that affect our everyday lives. I just wondered if, you know, for, for kind of, I guess, the average person listening to this, what are the kind of difficult thoughts or um, challenges that, that you've come across with some of the people you've worked with? They're the most common themes in terms of levels of difficulty are around how people relate to their bodies or, and the judgment that, that they place upon, upon their bodies themselves in terms of being the right size, right shape. And those are internal sort of negative conversations, which, which in my experience... Um, happen to people of any body shape and size. It's a kind of common factor. I, I remember working in eating disorder community services where there were support groups which were provided and then the commonality, like the common denominator in terms of regardless of which type of eating disorder or what their relationship with food was like and what size their body was like. So there'd be people in the room in a larger body, people with a restrictive eating disorder in a smaller body. But something that they that they shared in common was um, how they viewed their bodies as being wrong um, and being unacceptable. And that was a kind of commonality that was shared within group members, even though the way they use food or related to food might appear very different. Um, that was a kind of common denominator in, in, in terms of shared experience, that their physical representations weren't good enough and needed to be different. Thanks, Claire. And in terms of where people pick up these um, these negative uh, these negative self conversations, these negative doubts. Um, I mean, Nicola's talked in her work about some of the more more direct ways that that happens, maybe through negative comments from um, well from family members through to you know people in the street. But what what other where where else do people get those kind of um, negative views about themselves or how they should look? To echo Nicola's comments about people's interactions that they might um, come across in terms of um, healthcare professionals or other kind of similar forums, that that message, that sort of initial uh, response or assessment, that's something that we're experiencing sort of medically or health-wise is determined by their weight. Um, and that's the kind of primary measure. And that really reinforces how somebody's already feeling. But, but everyday interactions, TV, media, magazines, if they're still a, um, something which access, but but online kind of platforms, we all know about social media and the impact that that has upon someone's um, sense of self and view of self. So it's it's I would see it as kind of across the board. These messages might be kind of smaller in each area, but when you kind of create a cumulative effect of that in, in someone's lived experience, that has a huge impact on how somebody sees their physical uh, their physical selves and and how acceptable they 
they feel that to be um, in society. Thanks, Claire. I'm going to bring it back to, to Tim now. You said at the start, Tim, that some of the kind of, I guess, the push for this show came from some of your own um, experiences. So just picking up the thread from Claire's point there, were there kind of particular things that, that made you feel negative about your body when you were younger? When I was younger, I was always, uh, because my birthday is in August, I was always one of the youngest kids in my class at school. Uh, so I was one of the smallest and one of the skinniest as well. I think nowadays there's a lot more pressure on men and boys to be muscular. Uh, but even back then I felt ineffectual and unimpressive. A difficult thing to carry around with yourself. It influences so much of the way that you think and feel about yourself and about how you deal with yourself and about just your emotional state day to day. Um, and it's something that you can sort of not understand as well. It's It can be this wound that you carry around inside yourself without realising. That's kind of what it was like for me. So some nice honest experiences, which I'm sure will come through in the show as well. Um, and clearly you've come some way in dealing with those because uh, your confidence is now at a level where you're going to be getting naked during the show, as the title suggests. Um, now, other than ticket sales, why do you think uh, the kind of you getting naked as part of the show is is an important part of this? <laughs> yes, partially, I will, I'm taking my clothes off in the show because it feels a bit meek to stand up in front of an audience and simply stand there as if I'm on a soapbox and declaim that it's okay to be naked. Yeah, I think that's quite a sort of uh, meek approach to the issue, when really what what I want to be doing is demonstrating to people that it's okay to be naked, not just telling them. Because this this isn't school or university or a TED talk. This is a piece of theatre. It's a piece of art. And one of the things that I really love about doing artistic work is that it lets you go further. It lets you embody or somehow take what you're saying into a different dimension or a different element rather than just communicating it in a plain and simple way. I think it's a lot more powerful to see somebody actually getting naked whilst they are also telling you stuff about how it's okay to be naked rather than just hearing the facts. I think there's an emotional quality to that and uh, an experience-based quality to that which makes the message a lot more powerful and which makes it more likely to stick with you. That's why I'm taking my clothes off in front of a crowd of people. A very good justification. And so the content for the show, um, obviously uh, you'll be taking your clothes off during the show, as we've said. Uh, you'll be talking about your personal story. Uh, there's going to be elements in there of uh, a story that you've uh, you've developed yourself about um, a fictional guy and, and his experience with nakedness. And then there's also content, uh, I guess, designed to make the audience think about different aspects of nakedness, the world naked bike rides, and all of that is kind of in this beautiful mix of the show. Is that what we're kind of expecting? Yeah, that's that's kind of all the different segments. Uh, I like providing a variety in the work I do. So I want some storytelling, some drama, some candid conversation, some, yeah, some interesting facts, a little bit of everything. Great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, Nicola, I guess, is this your first kind of collaboration in the research world with somebody from the world of theatre? 
Yes, it is. Yes. So yeah, I'm really excited for this opportunity. Um, I, I think it's such a fantastic thing to do. Um, I think as researchers, sometimes it can be quite challenging to uh, get our research out to the public, um, but it's so important to do it. So um, yeah, I'm really excited and uh, really pleased to be involved in this. Yes, uh, impact is the kind of key word in research now, isn't it? Um, I know that's kind of uh, what everyone's kind of striving for and being measured against. And I guess this is a very different kind of impact to maybe research journals and, and conferences, which are really important in the academic community. But we're hoping that this is going to have a positive impact on you know, people in Sheffield who might be uh, feeling in the way that Claire uh, described about their bodies. And, and this might help to kind of uh, give them a boost. Um, so I guess that's it's kind of impact in a different way, isn't it? Definitely, yes. Uh, and I think well, for myself anyway, going into this re research area, initially it was to make a difference to people's lives um, and to do that, you need to communicate with people and doing it through theatre, I think, is um, such a great way to do that. Having a, an article that you've written that's online um, isn't always uh, accessible or engaging for everybody, whereas something like a theatre show uh, is something that people can get really engaged in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great way to have impact and to try and get our research out uh, to people in the public that we want to make a difference for. And we're going to be borrowing one other kind of aspect of academic work here as well and trying to do a little bit of uh, measuring the impact, aren't we? Um, looking to try and see how the audience are feeling before and after. Uh, we've been working with another academic partner uh, from the University of the West of England who's been looking at kind of micro interventions in this area and is helping us with that. Is that an important part as well, Nicola? Yes, it will be really important. Um, so I, I, I can't, I won't say too much about it in case there's anyone that will be a part of the show in the audience uh, that will be completing any of the questionnaires that we give out. But yeah, absolutely, it's really important um, because something like this too, uh, it's it's helping people to understand uh, the fat shaming and the impact that it has on people. So uh, even just communicating this and helping people to understand it is one way in which we can begin to change things. Excellent. No spoilers. We like that. Uh, keeping us on the straight and narrow on the research side. Thank you, Nicola. That's great. And um, Claire, obviously, as, as Tim's mentioned, uh, the, the content is going to be uh, gentle but thought-provoking, but it is going to touch on some uh, some difficult issues, as you've mentioned, that people might have faced either themselves or perhaps a family member. How have you been helping us to kind of think about keeping people safe uh, and uh, kind of, I guess, reducing triggering? From when we initially met and spoke about the idea of putting some like of something like this as a creative workshop um, to an audience, we we spoke about what we might need to consider in terms of support um, for people that might be affected after the performance, but also maybe talking about some of the language that that might be used or some of the kind of boundaries around people's kind of difficulties really and what might be need to be, uh, be considered. I think it's. It, it's always a challenge when there's something of this nature that affects so many people but can affect people so deeply. There's always a kind of, well, not always, there can be a kind of tendency to to avoid putting this out there and, um, and discussing it in a kind of upfront, open way. It's different kind of working to, with somebody on a one-to-one -one that kind of allows somebody the, the space uh, to be supported in a confidential kind of therapeutic way but when these things are discussed more openly uh, particularly in a setting uh, in a creative sort of theatre setting I think it's it's hugely important uh, to do that because it means these things get 
uh, get spoken about. It means um, that people can identify and these things can be normalised in terms of people experience these problems. So that needs to be normalised. But then it's also important to pay attention to what might come after. So with any sort of challenging topic, it's important to offer after support in terms of making that available if if somebody does want to come and talk about or explore more. This might be, for some people in an audience, the first time that they've been made aware that this is a problem for them or kind of realise that it, that it actually affects um, other people as well and not just them. So it's important to kind of give that, that additional kind of buffer as to what happens next or what could potentially happen next. That's great, Claire. So I think a real theme coming through what all of you've said really about not shying away from these challenging issues, but also dealing with them in a really sensitive way, making sure that the audience is safe, uh, both during the show, um, but also, as you rightly say, Claire, perhaps uh, dealing with the aftercare and the support um, if something's come up for them. That's something that you've experienced in a previous show, Tim, around PTSD, where um, the audience has been particularly moved or, or kind of audience members have, um, have found that's a particular issue for them. Yes, so I mentioned doing a show called Not Your Kind of Trauma earlier and uh, one of the segments in that show was this is what PTSD is like. These are some of the symptoms that you might experience when you have PTSD. I framed that segment as uh, as if I was a doctor popping up to deliver a quick infomercial to the audience. Uh, so it was quite comic in a way. And uh, after the show there was someone sitting in the audience with uh, a carer and we ended up talking and the uh, the person said that thought they might have PTSD from the way that I talked about it in the show. I obviously wasn't really uh, the right person for them to be talking to about that. Obviously, I was a sympathetic ear and I was able to kind of point them in the right direction to learn more about it to access the medical support that is appropriate in that situation. But that that kind of really drove home to me how important it is in this kind of, uh, with this kind of work to think about what people might need directly after experiencing something like this. Great, thanks Tim. So a really kind of important lesson learned from a previous production, I suppose, and uh, an, a nice reason why the kind of uh, the triangle that we've got represented here, the creative side, the kind of research side and the therapeutic side um, kind of work so nicely in this in this space. We're coming to the end of our time together. So I really just wanted to um, ask our three guests to just reflect. It feels like all three of you are really keen for this show, not just to be uh, a piece of art, or that's important, um, but also to make a difference to people's lives. So, um, Tim, what are you hoping that the audience will kind of take away from this show? I would say... The important thing with it is just for people to know that your body is okay and you are okay and you and your body do not need to be anything in particular. You do not need to make yourself into something different. It is perfectly fine. In fact, it is great just to be who you are and to be you in your body. Great advice. Thank you, Tim. And Nicola, how do you think uh, the show will help to address some of the findings or share some of the findings from your research? So I think it will help um, people a lot to understand way, the, the, that body shaming can go on to negatively impact them. I think even though people may be aware, they may not be aware that they're experiencing it. 
Um, I think a lot of people may not realise that the actual impacts it then goes on to have on their mental health and their physical health um, potentially. Um, so I'm hoping that um, this show will really raise that awareness for people and also raise the awareness that um, fat shaming, it, we, we really need to change the way that we think about it um, and we need to really try and challenge it whenever we come across fat shaming and not, not just laugh in response to it or encourage it. Um, so they're the two main ways that I'd really like the show to impact. Great, thank you, Nicola. Um, and Claire, if we if we manage to pull that off uh, and and kind of have the positive impact that Tim and Nicola have talked about, do you think that could be a benefit to uh, the kinds of people and clients that you support? I think so, definitely. I was thinking when um, uh, when Nicola and, and Tim were both talking about about the kind of incremental changes that all these things can have upon someone's experience and often people that I work with and not just people that I work with directly but outside of a kind of one-to-one scenario people talk a lot about wanting to reach a kind of body positivity status or to kind of love their bodies but actually that can feel like such a huge uh, a huge task for somebody to kind of do to sort of move from one end of the spectrum to another and often we talk about kind of moving to a a level of neutrality which is is still a very sort of positive place to get to in terms of body acceptance if all these different experiences um including the workshop kind of help somebody start to question maybe some of their underlying beliefs that they think about other people's bodies but also think about their own and start to sort of make some sort of cultural shift um, on an individual basis but also across the board to move forward wonderful high hopes for the show uh, we're really looking forward to seeing it So a huge thanks to Tim, Nicola and Claire for today. Uh, And don't miss It's Okay to Be Naked. It's going to be live from the Spiegel Tent in Sheffield uh, on the 26th of September at 8pm. And directly after the show, Tim and Nicola and Claire will be joining us again to uh, pick up questions uh, and think about some of the issues that might have come up. Um, And as Claire said, uh, after that as well, uh, she'll very kindly be providing some support if the show's brought up issues or challenges Um, that that people want to talk about one-to-one. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We'll be publishing episodes every day of the festival. We'd love to hear your thoughts and responses on social media. Find us on Twitter at Festival Mind and at facebook.com forward slash Festival of the Mind. (laughs) 